Good evening, morning, afternoon, whatever applies to you, and welcome to another EuroLeague. Yes, rest in peace, Nymera. He did an excellent job as, you know, deputising for our cancelled guests, but back to regular scheduled programming. You'll never see him again. You probably will. Probably be on next week. Uh, anyway, I am joined, of course, as always, by Mr. Kira and everyone's second favourite Greek, Miss Georgia, aka Twobblink. Who's the first one? Pomp. He's playing well right now. No, no, Labrov. Wait, there's not the Labrov. Yeah, Labrov. Come on. Labrov. So, you know, (laughs) you're you're at least on my Greek tier list, Georgia. You're above. above Thank you. I appreciate that. been a bit ropey. You know, you're above Aristotle as well. Plato, Achilles, anyone? It actually (laughs) just came to me there. I mean, put it together that Labrov is actually like Greek. Like, I I knew that was a thing, but it's just kind of hit me in like a... A wave of like, oh my god, Labrov is actually great. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Oh, and most importantly, you're above Forgiven, apparently, on our Greek tier list. So there you go. That's wow. the biggest, the biggest clue I've got, of all. I've got fun fact for Labrov. When I was interviewing uh, two weeks ago, I actually sat next to him because I was interviewing him, and I was like, "Wait, I've never asked you where you're from." Obviously, I knew that he was from Greece, and he's like, "Oh, I'm from Athens." I was like, "Hold on, I'm from Athens." I was like, where from in Athens? And he's like, from X part of Athens. I was like, I grew up in the exact same part. We were literally like in the same freaking neighborhood. Neighbors. Well, many, many years apart, but still we grew up at the same parts. Wow. In the same hood. Yeah, the same hood. There you go. <laughs> Fun fact. Uh, right. Before we talk anything else esports, I do have to hit you two with, of course, the patented Would You Rather. Uh, another one, Kira, you'll be glad to hear. Stolen off Reddit initially, but then morphed as, you know, these people can't come up with anything coherent. Uh, and just... Not Sidemen. No, not Sidemen. I don't know. What, okay. this, it, was ne- it was never Sidemen, Kira. Oh, it, was always, it was always Reddit. Any... I'm surprised you're not using your Sidemen Plus plan to, like, farm... Uh thingy questions uh, would you rather questions yeah nice all these all these underutilized subscriptions side plus, exactly vr porn like you know just don't make enough use of this shit should probably cancel it uh, both save only fans yeah, exactly exactly see that's how you know kira doesn't actually have an only fans because you know you should know that you sub to people individually not as you know <laughs> Uh, all-encompassing thing so there you go you can I never meme kira for having a big and only fan simp there you go uh Saved you years of bullying there. They'll just talk about your base takes instead. Uh, right. Anyway, back to my amazing would you rather. Um, very simple one, guys. You're stuck in a room for one year. And, you know, it doesn't matter. Like, yeah, you get food. You're not going to die, but whatever. The point is you're isolated in a room for one year. Would you rather be isolated with only your PC or the best PC ever, let's say, has access to internet, you know, movies, games, whatever, but... You're not allowed to contact anyone on the internet. So you're not allowed to use Discord to talk to people. You can't use WhatsApp, web, whatever. So you're in complete social isolation, let's say. But you have access to, you know, the entire internet, movies, games, whatever. Or be in the same room, but you only have your mobile phone. And you are allowed to talk to people on WhatsApp, you know, Discord app, whatever. And, you know, use shitty phone games, I guess, if you want. But that's it. Like, you can't do anything else. You don't have access to a PC, nothing. And you're in this state for one year. So what would it be? Phone for one year? Or, by the way, also, you're allowed to tell people, like, in case I don't message you for a year, it's because I'm doing this. You're not just going to, like, ghost everyone you've ever known, right? So what is it? Phone for a year, Kira? Or is it your computer? 
Oh, it's so easy. Phone. You said I can have games on my phone. Yeah, but fucking mobile games. Yeah, but I can play Baldur's Gate you can 1. You play PFT. No, I can play Baldur's Gate 1 and 2 on my on my phone. Both of those games are on it, and those are like hundreds of hours like each. Like I'd be hard-pressed to complete them both in a, in a year. So, oh, yeah. come on. A year. You'll complete them in like a week, mate, if that's the only thing you've got in your fucking room. Bro. The, mate, what do you call it? people? Though, as a guy, tried to complete Baldur's Gate with uh, an expansion on it on the hardest difficulty, hardcore, and he's been t- trying to do it live streaming it on Twitch since two thousand and seven, like or like just in TV. He's still not done it. He's still not done it. He live streams a shit every day. There is plenty to be played. But keep in mind that these kind of people are the people who do like games done quick and blah blah. Have you ever been to one of those conventions, mate? All these people are deeply mentally ill. Like, I don't think it's as, you know, simple as I'll just play this game ad infinitum for a year. You know, I think you'll probably go inside. But sorry, no, no, like that one would be like easy for me because the thing is, is like if I was to play like Dota, I can't use like the social element of like Dota, and that's the other game that I play, right? So like, there's no point in doing that. I, I, it would either just be a PC and I just sit and play Dota all day, right? And I read books and watch films, or I just sit on my phone and talk to people whilst I play Baldur's Gate. So like, I could just choose either of them, but I would go like the phone one because you know I like to talk to people and you know communicate, watch esports and the watch parties, stuff like that. Fair enough. What about you, Georgia? What are you picking? I've got a question. Mm-hmm, yeah. You can't talk to people, but can you like leave comments and stuff like in YouTube videos? Trying to get around that. You can't. Trying to get around. You can't. You can't directly like have a conversation with people. You can't go like back and forth. So yeah, I'll say no. I'll say there's no no social interaction allowed. Whatever you deem that covers. No social. You can't type in league chat. You cannot no. type in TFT chat. You cannot type no. in general. Oh, that's easy. I will take the PC then. <laughs> based. Yeah, based. I yeah. am such a huge loner. It's, it's, it doesn't even come close. I could just sit there and I would probably, like, after a year of just watching videos, studying the game, like, I would probably be the best analyst on fucking earth. Like, legit. I would just sit there for a year and all I would do every single day is just study TFD and study League of Legends because then I would have nothing else to do, right? Right now, my time is very constricting, so I can do, like, a little bit of each each day. But then... I would, I would just be the freaking best. I would have all the time in my hands to just stay in a capsule for a year and then come out the best, yeah. Base That's take. It. I like this take. It wasn't actually the way, the path. I, I would pick PC as well, but for different reasons. But now I'm sort of reevaluating because you could, you, if you have a PC and you're just like isolated in a room, you could just take a year to master. So you could leave that room and be like fucking fluent in Russian. You could just you be do like it. some fucking... You won't do it. Well, uh, no, COVID, I, COVID proved that all these people that think they would do that won't do that. Yeah, but this is the, this is the thing. I know that I lack the discipline, for example, to learn Russian. So that wouldn't be my angle. But I would pick the PC anyway because I would use it to watch like every fucking movie that I know I should watch but still have put off and all these kind of things. And also like... I don't know, like the phone, like, yeah, cool. Yeah, you can talk to people, whatever. Obviously, that's a big miss. That's the whole point of the question. But I just think like... Oh, also... Go have a look at your Steam library. Maybe it's not like uh, this for you as it is for me, but I have literally hundreds of single-player games which I tell myself one day I will play through this. One day one I day. will play through this. And when you have you noticed, like if you do ever like go on holiday or something, you've got like I don't know a Steam Deck or a, a Switch or something like that. That is the one time if I'm like, on a plane or whatever where I actually do play those things and don't get distracted by something else. So if I've got nothing else to do. 
I'll just watch all the movies I know I should have watched and still haven't watched, play all the games I know I should have played and haven't played. And yeah, that would be that would be it for me. A fucking your... a phone. Oh god, no, not enough. Witcher th- I've got Witcher three on that <laughs> last Red Dead Two. Yeah, same, I've got uh... both. I played a bit of Witcher, but and I, I can't think of anything else i've actually oh sorry pillars of eternity one and two so there's four games i've got on the list i've got hundreds mate i've got like all the assassin's creeds i've got like all oh, the fucking shite. batman games that i bought on sale and never played basically every time there's a steam sale and you see oh two pounds instead of like 30 quid i've bought that game probably and it's sitting there so, devil may you know. devil may cry that there you go that's the <laughs> yeah, other ones yeah. you just got advertised all good exactly anyway uh moving swiftly on uh, let's talk about some esports. Obviously, this uh, week just gone was the conclusion of regular season. Uh, not too many surprises. People will talk about, like, you know, the K Corp BDS upset, whatever, but I mean, who fucking cares? Like, these games were basically glorified stage scrim games at this point for those two teams. So let's talk about the first matchup of the week, uh, which is. Can Her- I just say a little yep. upset stat now? Just a little, like, by the way, me, I actually like upset as a player, right? Okay. I think. As of now, Upset is the first full-time playing a uh, player to go 10th yeah. team on three, three different, different teams. teams yeah. And, yeah, so he's the first LEC player. The other player that is a candidate for this is Selfie. However, he did not play full splits on the teams to accomplish this achievement. Unfortunate for Upset, but, like, you know, you can, like, correlate from that, which you will. Uh, just an interesting bit of, like, trivia because... Uh, that is now like true. Like, thing is, even as is... even as a you know self-identifying resident upset hater, I would say that you know if someone were to only come across that and be like, "So please tell me the story of Upset's career," I would say that he is actually a pretty good player and he has found himself in some not so good positions. To me, the most egregious one will always be the Origin one because that team was fucking stacked and they were still shit. So everyone on that team deserves. A chunk of responsibility, I would suggest. Um, but yeah, fun stat, I guess. Um, uh, can yeah. I just say that I really hope Malrang is having a lot of fun over in Brazil because he deserves it. You may. That, that's all I'm gonna say. Thank you. No, I, I we'll go into this by the way, right? I, I'm like the red, <laughs> Malrang like hater, right? And I know Ma- you are. <laughs> no, and only because nothing because of like anything. I I would like Malrang if he actually played like good League of Legends. I just despise like utterly like his form. But know what? Like Markun at points in this career will had me going. You know, like when Malrang was like, uh, we got Lee Sin kicking Hansama down the lane like a bowling ball. I I do miss that. You know, I I did I did miss some of those moments. He did have me missing Malrang at some points. And then I thought about Malrang's farming, uh, ward purchasing, uh, gold distribution, and all those other things. And I was like, yeah, that that fucking lasted like three seconds inside my head. Well, now we don't have to watch either of them, thankfully. Uh, so yeah, the first matchup is Heretics versus. BDS. Um, BDS obviously finished joint top, but because of the head-to-head thing, technically they're second. Um, so yeah, and they picked BDS for anyone who didn't know like how the seeding works. They actually got to pick... Oh, sorry. They picked Heretics. Um, mm, yeah. And uh, G2 picked their matchup as well. So and when asked about this, I mean, I don't know if Adam was the chief decision maker or whatever. He simply said, we think they are the weakest team on our side of the draw. So that's why we picked them. Um, so... 
troubling. I will start with you. What do you make of this matchup? What did you make of these teams during the regular season? Do you think this is going to be a fun, close series? How do you see this one? I feel like Team Heretics is the only team that has confused me so far. Because one one game they look like a super cohesive <coughs> team. And then on the other hand, it looks like, my God, that looks like solo queue. Good players, but solo queue. It just doesn't look cohesive. And honestly, like, obviously, come on, let's, if we take every single player, like, apart, we said the same thing about Casey as well. Obviously, Heretics have really good players. Uh, they've got players that have reached World's Finals. They've got players that have won LEC titles. Like, it's no freaking joke. I just feel like they have yet to find an identity that suits them and rather play on instinct at this moment. Whilst BDS, I think they got slapped back to back last year and it was like, oh, we're getting ahead in the early game. Fuck, we cannot close out games. How are we going to fix that? And I feel like this particular season, they have shown that they can fix that. They've figured out how to close out games. They've figured out their vision. they figured out their control on the map in general. And I feel like this is a pretty good telltale of a team that has stayed together, learned from last year's mistakes, but have also applied the fixes to them. So I feel like it's going to be a BDS favorite series. Now, of course, best of is a different beast. Best of three is a different beast than the best of one. But I want to hope that Heretics are going to give them a good run for the money, but I still think it's BDS favorite. Yeah, I think the 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 main fix kind of thing that you're talking about as well, which is kind of odd. Like you don't usually see this. Like we we always talk arbitrarily about if this team improves, then blah blah blah. But teams rarely just improve. It's usually mm -hmm. a player fixes some of their shit or something, and then that elevates the team. BDS are just randomly super good at team fighting. Like they're yeah. just really fucking good at team fighting, which is kind of odd. And obviously, I have to put. Uh, a lot of that on like the improvements of nuke i think that he's just become like someone you just have to pay so much attention to now in fights especially because he's getting his picks which are usually um very high impact team fight champions like obviously his azir nico etc like you have to pay attention to this guy now but yeah that kind of came a bit out of nowhere i guess like, adam's team fighting as well i would say has improved he's become more of like calling him a team centric top would be over the top but he's become more better at team fighting let's just put it that way so yeah uh kira what do you think about this matchup do you like heretics at all do you think they have i agree a lot here? with i agree with a lot of troubling like in terms of like the thing that annoyed me and we talked about it uh, rich was like you know we thought like they were going to be really coherent but the player quality maybe wasn't quite there and they were going to catch a lot of throws <laughs> yeah. the, the disappointing part was is they weren't really that coherent and the top side wasn't really all that together, and their best player, like, individually, is either, like, Flacked or Wonder. And Wonder, it's not like Wonder's playing, like, dedicated, like, carry matchups for the team. He's playing more, like, facilitative, like, push-like matchups and stuff like that. So, they're a little bit, like, disappointing. I don't think Perks has actually been playing as bad, like, if Laning's not been good, but it's, like, how weird, like, Perks's ints are. They're, like, yeah, the ints yeah. of, like, a rookie, where, like, he, like, inexplicably, like, you know who just like rocket jump or flash the wrong way. They had some like unfortunate losses. Like I'm telling you, the team heretics when they lost to Team Vitality, no ADC in the league was winning that game except Karzi on the Varus on hit like tank pseudo build. Like that was like the only ADC in the league that's winning them that game is like Karzi. So it's like you got Karzi like on a good day, you know. Unfortunate for you, that can happen. Um The thing I'd say about BDS is 
Okay, so I don't like I talk about only within the, the the server, and I've talked about them like a lot. I think I'll just go through them. I think Adam was across the I think the floors on their solo laners has came up massively. Yeah. I think Adam, Labrov, and Nuck are the best players at their position in the LEC based on the regular season of the LEC. Now, here's like the theorizing of why I think it is. Their team is now a go forward. They're like team shape, right? Is now setting up for their solo laners to like move into the enemy team space and like execute these wombo combo catch one two three targets and kill them very very quickly with the nikos with garens with kasante displacement effects etc 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 where yeah. when the one of the problems was as crownshot wanted to play hyper carry adcs that wanted to go one direction and then you had adam <laughs> labrov and shield wanting to go this other direction and they're peeling and moving and very different like Adam's champion pool actually does not want to play with hypercarry ADCs because Adam's champion pool, the way those champions access enemy teams' backlines and the shape that your team has to like make because of those picks is very, very like different sometimes. And it's not always like intuitive to like where those champions want to stand. So I think the team is more like co- like coherent, it's more like uh, like singularly focused. But I think uh, generally across the board, like when your like solo laners right now are playing the best. And your bot lane, because all even though we used to talk about the ADCs in Europe, like to be into high standard, it's actually ended up being quite a facilitative role where the most important thing coming out of bot lane is which direction the lane's going, rather than like, you know, what I mean, executing on like massive ADC leads. So, I think the solo like the if it continues to be solar lane focused, it massively suits BDS. And I think their matchup in Heretics is massively suited. Uh, yeah, sorry, go on, Georgia. Um- yeah, I don't know if I mind necessarily Crowny's champion pool because he played a lot of, you know, Kalista, Kaisa. He played a lot of Zaya, Ezreal. Like Zaya, Ezreal, very self-sufficient. You can leave them in the backline. You can do whatever the heck you want with the rest of the team fight. Uh, Kaisa can join you in the backline, especially when you have like Adam diving at the back of the at the back of the team fight. I feel like what's actually really strong right now, what's keeping them together, is Nuke's performance. I think I, I feel like honestly, this guy has gone above and beyond to actually develop himself. I don't know what BDS have worked with him. I want to give mega props to them for sticking with Nuke because yeah, the bullying he's the bullying he's been through online, the shit that he's gotten from fans and everything when he wasn't performing. It's a Nuke old. It's a Nuke old. It would be a freaking meme. And the fact that the team did stick with him, saw the potential, developed him, and right now it feels like he's the glue that's holding them up together just because of how good he's performing throughout the entire game. I think it's mind-blowing to see. Yeah, uh, I, I honestly, would, props to BDS for holding on to him and developing him, and props to him as well. I would, I would co co sign that because at the point where I thought, which was obviously before the start of last season, which is when I thought he was going to be kicked, like not based on anything I'd heard, just like you know, conventional wisdom. I was like, he's probably going to get kicked. He's probably the weakest member. I knew from BDS that it was like oh, if we could get these players and they were like some outlier level, like super high level mids, then like maybe we consider it. But if we can't get those players, like no, we're definitely sticking with Nuke. And I remember thinking like, what the fuck? Why? Like, what what do you know that I don't know? And again, this is like, of course, this is a God of the Gaps argument. Like maybe they were just clueless. But I also know that BDS had a very tasty budget as well. So it wasn't like a budget decision. So I do kind of have to assume 
that they did see that he was going to go in a certain direction. Because if you have a player who's not playing particularly well and you have the requisite budget to easily replace him and quote-unquote upgrade, then you would do it, right? Like, And this wasn't even, by the way, late in the off-season where there were no... This was like super early on. Their plan was either like possibly explore options for like these really high level mids which seems super unrealistic but if they weren't an option like no no one is better than this guy's trajectory no one is better that was their position and they had loads of budget by the way if they wanted to be flexible on that so that is where i would give them props ordinarily like if i had no context i'd kind of be like ah whatever they made a budget decision you know blah, blah, blah. but i given the, the context that i have I, yeah i do kind of have to give them props for that i would just ask you um georgia do you worry at all about BDS in series play because I, I guess this is something that's been levied against them in terms of like kind of a hypothetical but also what we've seen in the past of like oh what if you get Adam off his champions or you force BDS to adapt what if you get Nuke off his comfort like do you worry at all about that in best of three or do you think it doesn't really matter yet? I mean, think about it. What is Nuke's comfort, really? We've seen this guy on TF. We've seen him on, like, Akali's. We've seen him on Control Mages. I think he's done pretty well in, like, the majority of this. But currently, Control Mages are all the raids, the Azir's, the Nikos. You see Orianna's in the mid lane, Syndra's, whatever. He showed that he's pretty capable on playing all of them. Uh, a lot of the times, if you might feel like someone's champion pool might get pinched in a best-of scenario series, this is why draft meetings are so important for the teams. Like, you figure out a way where you can pick your mid lane early on and then not get pinched out. But I don't think you can pinch it out because Adam is in the team. You need to trim these guys' jumping pool. Like, you know, the whole Odir rage, his entire jumping pool kind of counters that. The Olafs, the Dariuses that he's playing counters that. Today I was watching uh, LPL JDG had to ban Darius before they pick Odir. This guy lives and breathes Darius. So I don't or think... Nick's, uh Yeah. No, 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 uh, no. I wouldn't be sorry. Um, I don't think I don't think that Nuke's pool is going to get trimmed down in the best of series because Adam is there, and I feel like the fact that Adam is there in general in a best of is such a huge tool in the draft for BDS. Yeah, I think this is flipped though because I think last year Adam's champion pool was a problem for BDS in the sense that if you don't have the other strong solo laner, then then and Adam, Adam's a win condition, you can kind of just win draft against BDS. But now because Nuke is actually really good it completely yeah. flips yeah. and now it's a nightmare draft what, what do you think kira do you worry about bds more in like best of series or do you think they're sort of sufficiently well-rounded that it's not really a weakness anymore 14.2 we're playing on uh it's where double support item has been nerfed you cannot play this anymore in playoffs so i think so if it's 14.2, then it, like, it's good, but it can also be worse, because Adam's not going to play Karma top, is he? Definitely not. I wouldn't have thought, like, I wouldn't have thought so. If, if any teams start picking up on like Karma top, then BDS <clears> themselves <throat> have to start permabanning that, because like that's just that's absurd what that does. Like that's That pick just, just breaks like the game on. That's like it's warping in terms of... Like, ma like Rumble was the three-lane winning matchup of like Worlds. And then people were like, oh, but if you pick Udyr into it, you know what I mean? And then Udyr solved the, <laughs> you know, like the Rumble matchup and it allowed you to have like free push. Now, like, but then you've now got Soraka, Lin Soraka, um, Karma top and like Karma mid post. Which play. we do know that Wanda plays. Historically, Wanda is a Karma. Player. Wanda does play it. Merwin supposedly plays it. Like any. So, like, any yeah, team true. that has a player on it, they, ma they massively gain from 14.2. Like, and if you don't play it and you can't threaten it, then, like, that is. But I think you look at, like, a lot of the stuff in, like, BDS and, like, 
You know what I mean? You don't want to give them Ash. It's a true flex inside their team. They don't want to give them Blitzcrank. You don't want to give them like certain mid lane picks. Uh, you don't want to give them uh, Shield and specific matchup. Like I don't even think Shield Shield's like playing that well, but he's still absorbing like certain jungle bands, right? And I think there's a level that BDF can go to where like Shield starts playing well that's like quite scary. So there's a lot of like a lot of bands have been coming out of like Darius and like second phase and stuff to stop it being like counter eh, being like counter picked and like when the solo laners are getting chosen. So I think BDS look really flexible, like moving into. I can't believe I'm saying this about this team, but I think they're looking like really flexible moving in. The only thing like of like concern is they've not really shown, and not many teams have like shown it, but like they've not really shown like the ability to execute like. Lucian, not even G2 has shown that, they weren't able to like, they didn't, haven't shown anything for like a hyper carry like style, even though it's not favoured right now, so I think they could still win a bunch of games of what they've got, but when Poof comes to shove and you get to the BO5s, who knows? I mean, worth mentioning what you just said as well with Shio is that I do think Shio has been the most inconsistent performer on BDS for sure, and has had like some ropey catches in early game and been counter jungled a few times or whatever. But something I would give him credit for is that he is staying relevant in games even when he fucks up and gets behind. And his team fighting has been really good, by the way. This guy... It's good target selection. Yeah. Like, especially on the Vi, he's been getting, like, bodied in a couple of early games. So he's been super far behind. And then he is, like, playing team fights, like, pixel perfectly, pretty much. Like, his flash usage is awesome. As you say, like... He'll not only do like decent target selection, but go. Oh, I can't remember which game it was. One of the games last week where he gets super high. It might be K Corp, which they lost. I'm not sure. Anyway, no, it can't have been that game. But um, he's even doing like the sort of the inverse of like the leak sin kick thing where he'll like target someone he shouldn't target. So he ults through multiple people like onto the Vi, which loads of pro players still don't even do to this day. Um, but yeah, no, his team fighting and as I said, particularly like his flash usage. And his distance management on champions like the Vi is really fucking good, to be honest. And one of the reasons I think their team fighting is super, super strong right now. But yeah, let me just get some quick predictions. And I think you both say you think BDS are going to win. Sorry, George, one you look like about to say something. Yep, yeah. One quick thing on the on the whole Shield thing. I'm so happy that it's been recognized how he can play from behind because I feel yeah. like that, that that was his entire agenda. That he like his entire identity was how junglers back when he was playing in EMEA Masters or EU Masters, whatever it was called back then, is the fact that they would put him behind and suddenly you'd see this guy even level or even a level ahead. He would play flawlessly in the team fight his target selection would be impeccable it feels like the, it, it's like it doesn't matter how much you choke this guy he'll still come up and grasp air uh which is great to see because that's how you know that when you fall behind you have someone to fall back onto that knows how to possibly get you back ahead the fact that this guy knows how to play from behind and finds his way back into the game i think is sort of a key to success for internationals i will say I mean, I think it's good, but at I would the same... Prefer if he, what, I would prefer if he didn't like, yeah, fuck I, up like, I when he did the stupid shit. Yeah. Like, the, the playlist invades in that. Like, when he has to burn Flash and still dies, like, those ge do genuinely make me want to get a revolver out and blow my head off. Like, go uh, I think it's definitely worth mentioning that his team fighting is, like, super good, good this split, but at the same time, all his teammates are literally ahead. And they're like, why is my jungler not ahead? But, Lavrov yeah. literally had won an entire week playing Blitzcrank, right? Showing, like just how unbelievably like toxic like this like pick is right and then he had like an alistair game where he was like playing like a dog 
for the first like five levels, and then through all like the mid game, he was just like blowing people up with nuke. BDS is like team fighting coordination and target selection. Everyone's is really really good, and like they're all like going on to it. And so like I I'm not saying you're the wrong saying it's just Shield, but like Adams, Nuck, Labrov, Shield, yeah, yeah. it's all of them together. The only concern I've ever seen is sometimes they will literally start fights that is impossible for Ice to actually make it to. Now I think it's just because of the language diff. You know what I mean? You know you. What for whatever reason, but sometimes they are a bit like disconnected from their ADC, but nowhere near as much as I thought they were going to be. Uh, and it, like just for that prediction, I think realistically they should just like two zero like heretics. I don't think heretics should. I don't think they really do have like they're not shown what they need to like steal a game, in my opinion. But BDS could fumble and end up giving like Senna Seraphine a game and try and beat yeah, it just true. to see if they can. And you know they fuck <laughs> about. And I think that's how the like that type of thing is how they lose. Baby. What do you think, Georgia? That would give a prediction. Yep, yep. I'm just going to say that I feel like it's BDS favored. Just purely because of the way that they have been playing these best of one scenarios. I feel like they are the strongest team when it comes to the Rift. Um, I know that Heretics can obviously step up individually, but I feel like the team really, really needs an identity. I still have to figure out who's the carry on the side of Heretics and what is the job of Yankos right now for this Heretics team. Like, I feel like this whole Yankos thing and what does he do for a team is something that has plagued me from the, for the longest time because I'm like, what does Yankos do for this Heretics team? Is he the first Blood King? Is he the carry? Is he the facilitator? Is he the one that starts fights or is he the one that puts out the fires? I'm I'm still it's getting so that because it, it feels like he's done. He, he's trying to do pretty much everything. Mm. Right, let's move on to what I think we'll probably all agree is an even more one-sided series on paper, which is Giant X versus G2. By the way, I'm not 100% sure if the way it's laid out on the LEC website is correct in terms of side BDS selection. BDS and GX or are, yeah, should be opposite each other but, and then top team has side selection. But uh, Heretics, it says Heretics versus BDS, but BDS shouldn't, aren't the higher seeds always the ones with the side selection advantage, surely? But it's yeah. written out, but Heretics versus BDS would denote that Heretics is side selection, does it not? G2 is above the, oh, sorry. Yeah, I Re think it hasn't been decided probably yet. Oh, so okay. maybe he just he just puts the higher seed at the top, and possibly the teams have not decided yet who's playing where. Okay. I'm not I'm not sure what day it is that they decide which which side they're on. Fair enough. Anyway, um, probably won't matter in this series. I would imagine. Because if you go if you go to Lolly Sports, which is also not always right, it's Giant X versus G two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's what I mean. So like usually when they do left to right, it's if it's like regular season via one left team is blue side but then if it's like playoffs then it's left team has side selection it's what they usually do but i wouldn't mm. imagine that giant x have side selection against g2 that would be very odd but who knows uh doesn't really fucking matter does it uh as i said for this series i really don't think it's going to matter but more importantly uh what do you guys think about this and again i will phrase this from a perspective starting with you kira of like what would the path to victory be here oh. for GX? Because, uh, I mean, I can't really right. look past the jungle diff. No, I, but... I, no, no, no. But actually, here's... Okay, well, let's go. I'll give you the narrative, you know? Like, don't worry. Okay, so Peach's best game, and it, it's not... He it didn't school Yike, but, like, Peach's best game was, like... One of his best games was into Yike, where, like, Yike didn't just, like, dominate the map, like, completely. Um, So, 
You know, there's that. But I don't put a lot of stock into being ones. The way they win is like, get Jackies onto counterpick assassins, bring as many bodies as you can possibly bring to mid lane until he gets ahead, and then hope to God he can front lun with an assassin lead. Uh, buy a Bible, get in bed, start praying. Mm. Because, like, for, here's the other thing, okay? Because I used to say, like, BB into Odo isn't, like, that bad a matchup. Right, if you, if I could have BB the NAR game into Zagenda, like, the one game that he showed that was, like, acceptable, I'd be like, sign me up, people. Like, if I'd seen more of that in the split, I'd be like, you know, we can go from that. Now, I don't think BB's been up that that up to that much i think he's just not basically taking like a lot of risk played a very like stable game but i don't feel like i've seen odo like punishing anybody i feel like a uh, giant eggs aren't that great like together the only thing i can say is like moving forward like you've got to hope like jackie looks better and patrick and ignar like get better as a bot lane they're up against probably still one of the best bot lanes in the league even though hans sama like the arse has fallen out of his like yeah. level like, Mickey X is a hell matchup for Ignar. Because Ignar's, like, a more, like, narrow player, but Mickey X has all these, like, picks he can, like, go to. I wouldn't say, like, G2, like, dominated the league to a level that made me feel comfortable. But, like, I don't, like... Based on the games that happened in the regular season, I don't know what, like, a level of analysis you're using to say that, like, GX sh should be, like, talked about as, like, winning this. It's, you just kind of got to hope that some individual player ends up with like a massive lead and they can move it around the map. Because outside of that, like G2 just should win everything. G2 are even good at stopping that. Like people have had massive leads versus G2 and they just stall out and the games look close regardless. So mm. I, I think this is like one of the most one-sided matchups like that could have possibly been created. I'll provide a, a little bit of copium before I go to, to Georgia. I'll say <laughs> that... Um... Then. You know, at first I'll use the old adage of you're only as good as your last game and apply that to Otto because, you know, that was a pretty good game, wasn't it? Oh, also, oh, to be we... fair, the Rumble game the day before, he was like one every team fight alone, basically. I'm not saying no one else did anything. I just mean those equalizers were ridiculous. They were like four man every single time. Like that Rumble game was pretty mega. Just didn't do much in lane. Um, but yeah, so, you know, let, let's see. Uh, but also like... I guess it, it's a bit lazy to say, but it's more about not what GX is going to do, but what G2 is going to do, right? Like, I think their bot lane, obviously Mickey's been better than Hans, but neither of them have played at their best. And Hans has actually been straight up pretty bad in quite a lot of games, like actually really bad in quite a lot of games. Uh, obviously, he's still good. I still trust them, but you have to hope that they're not playing particularly well. I'm aware that Caps had a really good Akali game against Humanoid. Whoopty fucking do, yeah. And he's had like a couple of good games over the split. I still don't think he's been very like himself this split so far. Very inconsistent. He's had some really good games. He's also had some pretty poor games. Um, and yeah, I'm also going to throw in like Blitzcrank's probably going to be a factor in draft because Ignar actually hasn't played it that much during the regular season. Mickey doesn't really play it particularly. And I feel like it's going to get through drafts, at least in the first game or first couple of games. So I would personally put Ignar, who is a historical Blitzcrank player, on uh, this champion and sort of have that added chaos element, I guess. Obviously, it's not like G2 have never fucking scrimmed against Blitzcrank during this meta or something. But I do think chucking that champion into the mix could be like 
a quote-unquote X factor here, if you like, right? In terms of like looking for angles for victory. So yeah, I do agree with the Jackie stuff as well. I think Jackie's, Jackie's needs to be really comfortable and be able to believe that he can carry on these champions. I don't want to just see him go down the fucking tree list of what the next meta pick is. I think if the Giants do that, they just lose straight up. Like I think Jackie's has to be put in the position to succeed. Um, but yeah, beyond that, obviously it's not. I think Yikon carries just dicks everyone as well. Like, if he plays, like, Lilia or, like, the Vago and just runs the duels on, like, a single bot dive and it's successful, the game's literally over at, like, eight minutes. Yeah, but remember, we're currently on the Copium segment here. Oh, sorry, yeah, sorry, so, sorry, sorry, I, so, I, sorry, sorry. Yeah. I can help you with the Copium. Yeah, hit, hit me, Troublink. What are your thoughts on... All right, all D2's early games have been atrocious. Let's, let's just call it what it is, especially at the beginning of the split. Give me one team that wasn't ahead at 15 versus G2. Give me one time that they didn't walk into the tri-bush completely blind, got caught, lost flashes, lost lives. Uh, okay, the G2's early games were a little bit of a, of whoopsie. But traditionally, G2 fixed these issues, especially when they walk into a best of five uh, scenario or a best of three scenario, especially when it's a series. Uh, argue with the Blitzcrank, maybe it is a curveball, but Mick Yes has showed that he can just close his eyes, pick a champion while scrolling his mouse up and down and just play that as support. And it will be, uh, it, it will look good, nevertheless. Did you like the Huey now, pick? Was it Mickey who played Huey? Who played Huey support this Mickey. week? Maybe that wasn't Mickey, actually. Someone played Huey support, and it was interesting. What, are you talking about, you talking about in, in, in Korea? Beryl played Huey No, support. no, in Europe. Someone picked uh, Huey in it? LEC, yeah, 100%. I can't remember who picked it. I thought Mickey picked it, but maybe, maybe I'm completely misremembering. Someone 100% play, played it. I'll tell you that now. You can continue with your point. All right, Mickey did not play it for sure. Because okay, I'm looking at the mad history right here. Okay, it wasn't Mickey that played it. Uh, but I feel like for Giant X, there is copium in terms of what... I I'll say it every single time. When you do have a tough opponent, people need to do what Excel did last year. They found their standards and they started playing front-to-back scaling comps. If you really trust on Jackie's actually performing in a teamfight when he's on his comfort Kaiser. champions... Uh, sorry? It was Kaiser. It was Kaiser. Okay, yeah, yeah. I mean, he plays Bard, it makes sense. Uh, these champions are like very, very similar in terms of what they do. Uh, but I feel like, yeah, Odo has seen that iteration. Obviously, Giant X has a big part of Excel uh, still in it. It has Pete, it has Odo, it has Patrick. The way that Excel actually made it into playoffs and showed such a resurgence last split was the Narazir. They were playing front to back. They were freaking like unbeatable in that. The Orn and the Azir, they can find something very similar. They had the Senna Seraphine. You know, there's many iterations of that. There's Karma Sona, there's Sona Seraphine, there is Senna Seraphine. There are so many iterations that can actually support the likes of Jackie's and Odo. I feel Odo is so good in champions like the Aatrox that do benefit from combinations like the Karma Sona, like the Sona Seraphine, like the Senna Seraphine. And of course, Jackie's playing things like the Akali and stuff like this can also benefit from things like that. So I feel like if they do play this type of League of Legends, it could potentially work. But I feel like as a team, they need more time. Uh, I think they need more time because I feel like Jackie's has not yet been integrated into the team and they need to figure out how they play around him. I feel like he has the likes to be a pretty good aggro player. He has a little bit of baby caps in him, uh, if you, you will. How dare you? Uh, sorry, excuse me. 
Yeah, I'll be... No, sorry, carry on, carry on. No, but I feel like he does have prospects. He has showed it, especially in Assassin Champions, especially his Akali and things like that. So if you do play around that, I feel like passive bot lane into more aggro topside could potentially be it. Caps has not been having the best of early games either, so maybe abuse that. No, I, I do really like the angle on paper. Again, this is not usually how these things work out. Of just the logic of G2 hasn't had good early games. So pick some ludicrous hyperscaling like Seraphine Senna or something. And then, you know, you're not if you're not super behind in the early game because G2's early games aren't good, just fucking, you know, pray to Allah that you reach 40 minutes and you just automatically win by that point if your Nexus hasn't exploded. So I do actually, I unironically like that as an angle though. Like, I mean, as I said, in reality... How, how does that play out? I don't really know. But, I mean, Patrick does but play those combos of, like, Senna, Seraphine. Yeah, go on. One of the problems is that the map changes actually hurt the way that XL wanted to play. Because one of XL's best macro plays, and I'm not memeing here, was Baron rushing. With seeing people who couldn't possibly make it to, like, Barons, they would move into Baron with an Azir, and they would threaten a Baron takedown, right? But the problem is, is the Baron pit has actually changed and actually makes that strategy worse. Because the shape of Baron is now, actually, depending on which map variant it is, it can possibly be like harder to defend. Like it can actually be a harder like hold on like the rush. Yeah, I mean, sucks, I guess. But I, I no, think... I'm just saying. But like, no, I'm just saying. So XL lost the ability to like do that. Like that was like something that they had over G two. Like they had over all the teams in Europe. They had the best understanding of that that like play principle. And uh, but the something because the same way as. I talked about many people who rely on jungle 2v2s like got nerfed because of the map state changes. It's not something that they can now, you know what I mean? Because of the way the maps change, it's not something you can just start practicing. I very much doubt we're going to see like Silas Sedge, you know? That's mm. something that um, Larson and Mark, uh, Markun went to, uh, Malrang, sorry, went to to beat Ceres or the vice versa. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, I mean, I, I feel like the Baron understanding generally is actually still relatively decent compared to most of the teams in the league. I think one area where they've Ignore's stepped... a really worse than limit at it though. Yeah. Like in terms of like warding and stuff, like you 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 really are missing limit as well. Like that part is being like lost. I also feel like their drafts have been very inconsistent from a quality worse. perspective. Yeah, like they're the split, generally they're just worse. Yeah, and like when Hidden and Cass came in, like initially, their drafts were like. Amazing. On aggregate, way better than most of the league, and now yeah, yeah, there seems to have been some regression there and some, yeah, some faux pas, some straight up like faux pas made. I mean, like the classic one, or I guess what would be the classic one was when they were drafting against Fnatic, I think it was, and like both teams had like quite good drafts, and then they like last picked the Udir, which just seemed to be like full on meta slaving. Like that was just very strange to me, um, especially as Otto didn't really demonstrate that he knew how to like completely optimize that pick how that pick works so yeah i don't know very odd i think yates just the best player in the league by like a considerable like margin and like has the most like depth of play of any like jungler and uh, I, I i really i know the, like the copium here but if gx again i said it last time if gx wins this like it'll be one of the biggest upsets in europe even with like g2 playing like the way they are like it's not like the best version of g2 it's just i'll be utterly amazed if like it happens yeah. But it didn't happen last time, it almost happened. <laughs> I'm assuming you guys are both going for a G2 win here then. Is that safe to say? There yeah. we go. Uh, right, let's move on to what hopefully will be... I think this is a pretty interesting, really hard to call series. Vitality versus SK. Um, actually, I don't know, for my money, like 
Daglas is kind of, it's almost like that Gattuso meme. If you know it, you know it. You know that sometimes it may be good, sometimes it may be shit. Like this guy is just all over the place uh, with his performance levels for me. Hillisang, I'm sorry. Like this guy to me is like, I. it makes me sad for Kazi watching Hillisang play this split. Um, I'm not saying he's had zero good games, but he might have done. I'd have to check. I'd have to really check. I don't know. Like he had moments. But, I think the overall game quality has been terrible. The the problem the problem is that whenever like criticisms is made of Hillasang, usually the retort is ah, but when he gets, it's just not his meta. By the way, I'm sorry, but there can't be like massive swaths of time where it's not your meta like that can't happen it can't just be like oh for 10 percent of the season it's my meta baby like no then you're just a bad player who needs to learn more champions i'm afraid but even given that he got his fucking pike that's meant to be like the archetypal hilly champion and then i see match fixing levels of performance like pure win trading if i'm in solo queue that was straight up win trading and i'm just sat there feeling bad for kazi who to me, like, deserves so much better, man. Like, I, I don't know. But this team is is very strange. Like, you've got Photon, who for large chunks of time looks awesome, looks to be super dominant, but very disconnected from the team uh, a lot of the time. Daglas, as I said, is, like, very up and down. VTO still can't fucking lane, but he still has a lot of the upsides he's had before on certain picks where it's like, wow, he can still carry fights. He can still 1v9 certain skirmish situations. Uh, and then, as I said, you've got probably the best AD carry in the league for me at the moment, but especially because of Hans's uh, progression this split and Hillisang, who's like, whatever. I'm not going to say more about that. So, yeah, interesting team. Whereas SK, I would say, are kind of the opposite. They're not amazing in terms of ceiling. They're not going to be some world-beating international team or anything like that. But all their players are very solid. Sometimes Irrelevant looks very good. Uh, Niski's had plenty of good performances. Isma's very solid. Um yeah, extra kick and uh, Dos has been better this split as well, I think, than on previous splits as well. They're just they're just a solid team, but I feel they're like a six point five floor team with like a seven point five ceiling, if that makes sense, or you know, if you want to make it seven and eight, whatever. So yeah, uh, two very different teams. Does consistency just win out here, Georgia? What do you think? Who wins? Who wins this matchup, or who's favoured? I'm so confused about vitality i am so confused when it comes to vitality because i see an akali an ari a kaisa pop off and then it's a corky that's meh that's an oriana that's meh and it doesn't do very well in lane and then it doesn't get to go to that late game but you know these types of champions are meta right now so you kind of have to be good at them to try and play that front to back and mirror other teams in their team fights and then i see photon for who for last year was one of the best, if not the best top player in the league. His stats said that, his performance said that, everything said that. But it just doesn't translate to team fights because he just never makes it there. He's either too early or he's too late or he never shows up. I don't know if this is miscommunication or that's just, I don't know if, I don't know if communication is always the key here, but it's like how every player sees the game and how every player perceives the game and especially when you're a top player you need to see your windows of opportunity to enter a fight and i feel like photon has missed a lot of these um for karzi and hilisang i'd say they've they've had a very fortunate but unfortunate bot lane with hilisang overreaching karzi trying to gather things and pull him back um 
the pinnacle of this being the KC game. That was that was an absolute disaster of a, of a back and forth. And then you also have Douglas, who is your rookie technically, uh, and you're trying to teach him and show him how you want him to play the game. But this boy came from a background where he's he's a farmer. He's a farmer slash carry jungler that's where he came from when he was playing over in the erls but right now if you look at what he's playing the Maokai's, the rails he's the facilitator for his team he mm -hmm. needs to be the leader for his team he needs to set up for his team and he needs to have a team that he can do this for you need to have that mid lane to help you set up so you can set up later on for these team fights and i just feel like the identity vitality is just not meshing. What what players bring to the table is just not meshing right now. And I feel like it's just raw talent that's pulling them out of these team fights. It's Karzi popping off. It's Vito on his champions. It's Photon being able to have a lane kingdom over in the top lane. But I feel like do they manage to connect all these? They can definitely be a powerhouse because I feel like Douglas does have talent and it showed over in ERLs and it has showed here as well. When it comes to SK, I feel like Everything that they changed has pretty much been an upgrade, right? Niski is extremely solid. And especially for a jungler like Isma, who was super aggressive over at Emia Masters last split, you've got a mid laner that will perma shell for you, will perma give you prior, will invade with you, will help you in your aggressive journey into invading enemy jungler, and will have to pull you back sometimes. But this is it. It's better to have a jungler that overreaches and then you pull him back than a jungler that doesn't see the opening to do this and is not aggressive enough. And Isma does that. So I feel like SK should have this in terms of cohesion because they have a team identity. And I feel like Vitality is still looking for that one. Interesting. What do you think, Hero? I think it's like Hellasang is like map warpingly, game warpingly like bad right now, you know? Like, he's losing lanes in such a way that, you know, Douglas then can't come bottom, get Pryo, then Helen, Douglas move to mid, fix Vito's situation, you know what I mean? Or possibly, like, get wave top on, like, crash top on Photon, Photon, like, does, like, a mid-roam that he was, like, quite well known for on uh, the original Team Vitality of yesteryears, or, like, get, like, controlling River. Like, all of this is just completely overshadowed by the fact that like so many early games are just ruined by like Hilly, like level three dives coming into Karzai, freeze outs on the wave. It's just so like game warpingly poor. Where the best player on the team and a candidate for one of the best players in LEC is literally being hamstrung and his game is being like ruined by the person who's supposed to be like facilitating and supporting his game. And so you've actually got someone who's like, bring a lot of like net negative like qualities to the map and so like I don't. I I actually think the only way Team Vitality wins is if, for whatever reason, Karzai and Vio just get it over the line and they just have like solo carry like performances, like into like SK Gaming, which like could be possible. But I don't think they're anywhere near as likely. Like SK Gaming are like a very very good front running team. They love to just go A B C D E, and like win win games. They, like, they're not that good when they're, like, put onto the back foot, but I don't know how Team Vitality with no early game is going to, like, put them onto, like, the back foot. So, or, like, not a very good early game. Whereas I think, like, SK Gaming are quite good at getting, like, early game and leading it. They're also, like, got pretty good, like, macro in the mid-game around, like, objectives. I don't think SK Gaming's, like, side laning's amazing, or, like, their setups are amazing. I think Niski can make a lot of mistakes in that arena, but 
I think it was really good. And again, this is one of these one-sided matchups where I think FC Gaming should really just beat Team Vitality. I don't think there's any reason to think Team Vitality could win apart from just like star power, like pure player, like you know, like pop off stuff like that. The other like thing to like mention here is in trouble like highlight is like Douglas is actually kind of playing out of pocket, and I don't know Douglas that well. She like thought that is it, he's like a carry player, like a dedicated carry player. Now we've seen that a little bit on the, was it the brand jungle that he played? Yeah, yeah, yeah he did. And that was like one of his better games. It was like pretty, it was pretty, it was not bad. So, but the team looks so disparaging and uncoordinated. Like the team fight shape and like positioning from Team Vitality. Like even though they won, there was like times where like Vito was pushing a sideline on Kaisa and they're like flipping mid, looking for like fights and stuff, or like photons on like a sideline is like Nar and they're flipping fights. And they won that game just because like of player pop-offs. But they're not the types of games you should win. You should actually lose those games. I think SK Gaming... The only negative thing... I just was speaking to Thorne about it, and he made a good point. It's so funny that everyone attributes all these positive qualities and all these good things about SK Gaming, and at the end of it, they then have them third. And it's like, why is the reasoning? Like, what's actually bad about... Like, what does SK Gaming do that makes them worse than BDS and um, G2? And, like, for me, I said, it's kind of like star power quality... I don't think they're as good at team fights, but I actually think their like early games are way better than G2's. Niski's like way, uh, plans of Isma are way better, and going like particular around top and irrelevant are way better than what G2 is doing right now around like Broken Blade. So, I, th- th- that's kind of where it's at. Um, <laughs> it's not that exciting a matchup. It's kind of your for SK Gaming. You're just kind of going to see if this team can make it to the playoff. Can Isma play in the playoffs? You know what I mean? Can they execute on their like specific style in a playoff situation? And for Vitality, it's bye Bible, get in bed, start praying that like Cardi has just one like a spring moment where he just like saves the day Superman style. And Hellasang like keeps it human. I think that is the issue with SK though, so far as there's like an issue, and which is why I said like their high floor, low ceiling, because there isn't a single player on SK that you could definitively say is better than their counterpart on BDS, for example. Like, not a single player. Like, you could make a case for Irrelevant, I guess, as an all-round top I laner, I think Esma's but... been better than... Apart from the fact that Niski... The angle... The narrative that Niski is controlling them, I think Esma's been better than Shio. Maybe. I, if I... But a lot of people... A lot of people put stock in the fact that, like, Niski's directing them and helping moving around the map. Now, I don't know if that's true. I, 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 it's not my style to talk about that, but... I, I talked about it in the show, like, there is there is a little bit now, now that we've seen Niski with a brand new rookie and not, like, one of the best junglers in the region, right? Like, like it is still working very well with them. Like, yeah. I do put a little bit of respect into that narrative. I, I think, I, the only one I would say is Isma's better than Shield, but everyone else I think is worse. I think Irrelevant was, Adam's better than yeah, Irrelevant. I think, that, I think that's yeah. kind of the thing. It's like, when they're all on song, obviously G2 is, like, a different level than the other teams in Europe. And then BDS, their players are all really good and their macro right now like, they even showed but even last season like during spring they unironically had the best macro in europe and their players were just playing like at a slightly worse level when they should have won lec but they didn't like i think that's the thing like yeah i would put sk but i don't even know if i i, I like fanatic so i'd probably put fanatic above them yeah anyway, we're gonna come to uh, that yeah. But yeah we'll 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 talk about that so yeah no i think uh 
We're probably all in unison here. I think I would also... I'd say that SK probably should win this matchup. I would not be surprised if Vitality did win this matchup. And I do think, even though, like, we throw it out there, like, oh, but Kazi would have to, like, pop off. Like, that could easily happen in a best of three, I think. Like, I would not be surprised at all if... Let me paint the scenario for you. Two games back-to-back, -back, SK puts together very solid early games. They accrue, let's say, a two to three gold lead at like 16, 17 minutes or whatever. And you start getting to the first like big objective fights that are going to be really substantive. And then Kazi just outplays in the team fights from being a little bit behind. Like I could see it happening. I could easily can see I, it happening. Can I just say, here's got one. I, I don't like deal in these stats. It's just a funny one because it, it's funny. What do you think uh, Photon's highest CS lead was this season? At what? So, at 15? Yeah, 15. Uh, I don't know, 18. Nah, well, you got, you're got you in the right metric, but like you're way off. It's 8. That's his best, was 8. He has been behind gold on almost every single top lane matchup. Now, that's dumb. Not, not all top lane matchups are the same, right? But he has not been the laning kingdom, right? In my opinion, <coughs> that he was last year. I actually think he's been not executing on his lane matchups as well um just generally this year even oh, though he's still like... quite good sorry yeah yeah no okay um i feel like this could be a point of attack for sk uh when we were looking like through the stats for lc and stuff um what was really mind-blowing is the fact that irrelevant had above and beyond the highest kill participation out of any top laner ever in the league while staying top side. Ah, is that G? While, mm. while staying top side, which was, uh, which was insanity. And it feels like if teams put down irrelevant, it sort of handicaps SK in a way where they don't know how to fight that. Uh, so I feel like if you do have Photon and you want to play for him or try to shut down or give him a counterpick so he can keep Irrelevant in lane and not allow these kills to come through and Irrelevant to be let loose on the map, then I feel like this could be a way to attack it. Or if you flip the map completely, you could be like, hey, Photon has not been as dominant this season at all. Why doesn't Escape hit the top of the map? Yeah, Take because... that Gragas, push mid, go straight topside, get Isma as well, get Irrelevant ahead or something like his Rumble and any other aggressive pick, and then let him loose on the map and allow him to do his job. Because one of the danger things is Photon's best pick for me in terms of team coordination is the Cassante. But hmm. uh, Irrelevant is the dedicated Gwen player of the LEC. He is the best Gwen yeah. like in the, in the LEC. Now, Photon also does play the Gwen side of things, but has not shown the prevalence to like pick it, and those are different things. Um, completely. Uh, the other thing for me, and I saw that matchup we talked about it on, where does the karma fit into this? Who's going to like pick it up? Because that that for me, whenever I see that, is like that is like Pandora's box if that gets like picked. If it's if it's the correct like path, it, it's disturbing. Like the the um, trading patterns on that, like how badly you can play on that champ and the you still win the trade is like rumble but on steroids. Mm. Yeah. I'll tell you who's gonna play Karma mm -hmm. when when Rich moves us forward onto the next series. <laughs> yeah. True. Let's talk about the next series, which is of course uh, Fnatic versus Mad Lions. Um, to me, this is gonna be 
a really fun series because whatever you think about Mad Lions in terms of what their ultimate ceiling is or whatever, they're definitely a super fun, proactive team, like, without mm. a shadow of that. They are so confident. And this is the thing, like, again, there have been, be like, way better teams that have come in as, like, rookies and done things, you know, and, like, instantly gone to Worlds or G2, people forget G2 won LEC in their rookie split or whatever. But I've never seen a more confident team like come in as rookies that it's crazy the stuff they'll go to and the the most telling thing about this is they're not a pixel perfect early game team or something like they make fuck ups and then they still approach the next play with like the same level of conviction they never lose confidence at all they just keep fucking going they flip it again, Mate, it again you must have been listening in on what i was saying on the previous show that's like eerie how like what like how similar as to what i was like literally just saying because that's what i love about that team by the way like they how they're like tempo of like the next play of like coherency is like crazy right now yeah, they, they don't they don't give a fuck they just keep fucking going and even if they get behind they keep going so yeah and then Fnatic on the other side i feel like this season way more than last season because the whole thing all the way through and i was fighting against the narrative was like this team has so much upside if they can just get it together and click their ceilings inside and i never believed that at all they were not in position to ever launch never they were never in position to launch this year i think they are more so in position to launch one because oscar is obviously no longer a rookie he went through some horrible periods last season especially early on got his shit together did look good by the end but you were never going to like bring that whole fucking like cake to bake at that point right there just wasn't enough time Razork and Humanoid were still having their issues. I don't subscribe to the view that they're now like a, some beautiful synergistic utopia, but they're definitely way better now together than they were last year. Jun is looking pretty good on quite a lot of picks. Noah is does irritate me. Like I think if anything, he's regressed as the stat stick that he was. Like he's like oh, a lower stat stick. Yeah. yeah, because he because I'm now playing for solo lanes and yeah, not stats exactly. And yeah, Jun is good. Go. And Jun's good at at that. So cool. Yeah. So but overall. This team, this team has a higher ceiling than last season's Fnatic, like for sure. I know they're only five and four, so it's not like they have some great record or something like that. But I am actually quite excited for what this Fnatic team could do. I think they actually, this is the team for me. It would be harsh to put them like above BDS, I guess. But like, this is a team for me that could legitimately give like G2 a good series. Like if I see them play out a couple of good series in a row here where things keep moving in the right direction like, i i have high hopes for this team i like this team uh georgia what do you think of this matchup and these two teams are you a fanatic fangirl as well i mean i do like fanatic but i'm a big mad fangirl just for go. a certain reason Farming i love how people media. just see no i love how people just see teams and they're like oh i wish you know k-cop from 2021 would have just magically jumped into lc and we could have seen how much this team could have achieved this is Movistar Riders. This is basically Movistar Riders. They went to EMEA Finals versus K-Corp. They almost reverse swept them. They almost won in France versus K-Corp. They didn't. Almost. But the majority is Movistar Riders. You know who's not there? Their top player was not their best performer. And you know who else? Their jungler, because he's playing for SK Gaming. It was Isma. Yoya is now in this team, who's arguably one of the best junglers we ever had in the LEC. Plus, what did they want? A crazy top laner with weird picks that could fit the entire motto of the team? Yeah, sign Mirwin in, and it's a done deal. Like, 
this, this is what passion for League of Legends looks like when you're looking for a team and you want to play a certain style. This team has an identity. This team That's is to be true, feared yeah. because it does have an identity. And it's the fact that El Yoya understands what his role is within this team. They will allow him one game to be the carry, then the next game he will be the facilitator. But it feels like the team realizes what the roles is every single game, depending on what they play. And I cannot wait when the whole karma thing comes up to see all of the karma bands <coughs> thrown onto Merwin's way. Merwin, yeah. Yeah, it's not the only thing he has. He plays fiddlesticks. He played Zeri top lane. He's playing Varus top lane. I mean, like, good luck dealing with this guy over in the top lane. And then you've got the freaking rest of the map that can play pretty much anything. The only thing I'm actually sad about, about this particular map, is that Supa is a fantastic hyper carry ADC. And it's currently not in season. Everyone's playing sort of like lethality AD carries. But his time will come. I'm pretty sure his time will come. He's a fantastic AD carry. Everyone wanted to see him and Kalist, obviously, in the LEC. He's made it first due to age restrictions. Uh, but I'm, I'm just very excited about this man. I want to see what they can bring in a best of three. I feel like the fact that they have so many picks that are weird and quirky and they know how to play them as a team will create chaos in drafts. Like, good luck in a best of three to the coaches. Like, putting their heads down and bringing out a proper strat versus whatever chaotic picks Matt has to throw their way. Question here for you. Why do you think teams aren't picking Jinx? Jinx? Yeah. I feel like but Jinx is fine. I feel like Jinx and Aphelios are in a pretty fine spot, especially when you're playing against double tank. Now, here's the deal here. Because you've got really aggro bot laners in the current meta, I feel like lethality spikes so quickly. Like, for example, today I was co-streaming LPL and I saw back-to-back -back a Caitlyn Milio picked into a Lucian instead of an Aphelios Milio picked into Lucian. The burst matched, like the burst for burst, it matched with the Caitlyn. So I feel like a lot more bursty AD carries are used due to the pressure in the bot lane that is created by picks like Lucian and Varus and shit like that. But due I to the fact that you have... No, oh, sorry. Due to the fact that you have like mid laners and top lanes that can do equal amounts of damage to carries, to sorry, to tanks. You've got the Corkies, you've got the Orianas, you've got stuff like this. We've seen Lilia's top lane as well, Rumble. Like you have damage over time that comes from other sources that now AD carries are allowed to go for this more bursty build. And honestly, it's much more fun to watch as well. But yeah, I feel like we've seen Jinx, I think, in the LCK and, um, and over in the LPL. So it is still viable, it's just not preferable. Yeah, because here's the problem. All those things, like, were simultaneously true, the, like, the principles of those things are simultaneously true, like, before. Yet, like, for example, Nico is, like, universal, like, played on this patch and the previous patch. Because the principle for the champion is the same. But I don't under I'm not understanding why Jinx isn't. Now, I understand, like, Jinx does not want to play into, like, Ash support with, like, Varus and stuff. Like, I understand that. But like when people like do play like out like Callista yeah. lanes and stuff like that, like we we've already seen those lanes. Like I seen them all last year. I watched the Callista die in three shots to like triple Jinx rockets and stuff. Like I I've seen I watched I watched G two lose to Mad Lions. They were dog shit. But Karzi was on Jinx, so it won the games. Like they weren't winning. They couldn't win the games with any other champion. It's because fucking Jinx would just lawn more people. Like you'd pull the fucking the thing on the chainsaw, and champions would just disappear. So I'm like, I understand. Like there's all these like great reasons, but those reasons also mattered. A patch, the patches previous, yet they, they weren't like applied like the patch previous. 
I feel like the caveat here is also that the whole Orn Azir kind of meta is no longer a thing. Like a lot of teams will not. Azir is like or... massively pliable. No, no, Azir right now, yes, but like the whole Orn Azir will engage with non-committal, you know, ultimates from far away, player proper front to back. I don't feel like that applies anymore to the current, uh, to the current League of Legends with the early game spikes where you have your first item on Lucian. Like the second Lucian has Stormraiser and Emilio behind him, he goes hard for Jinx to match your first item. I'll tell you something right now, Trouble. Not in Europe. European Lucian is dog shit. It's sorry, man. I've been co streaming. Okay, I've been co streaming LPL. I am biased. Yes, okay, I'm sorry. No, no. <laughs> you, you are right. It is broken. But the problem is, is it is not broken. The best Lucian player I've seen in LEC was Exakick. And he, blo he took Cars' head off, basically, on Aphelios. And I was like, that guy, like, understands, like, the principle. But, like, all the other times I've seen it. And here's the thing the best bot lane. Which and arguable like Lucian player and support, which is G two, they're not even picking it. Like G two have no prior over Lucian X at all. That makes me so sad, man. Lucian's probably like one of the one, most fun AD carries, and he brings so much energy into the early game because of that one to two item power spike. It's just, it's just insane to watch. One second, and that, and here's like the the other thing that's like super 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 weird, right? As, see if you go right. See how you were talking about it being like a, a zier like arm, right? And the meta when Jinx was its highest picked, okay, in um in Europe, right, at the time in spring playoffs, right, there was no like basically arm played top lane whatsoever, and it was like Gragas, Cassio, like Ari that were all picked. Now yes, Jinx is bad into Corky because of like poke, but not again. Not everyone plays it. But against a bunch of all the statics, like Azir, it's like one of the only ways to like out DPS it. Like I, it is puzzling to me how they look like. I'm not saying it should be prevalent left, right, everywhere. But there are so many good Jinx players in Europe, True, and yeah. none of them, and none of them are picking it. Not just like, oh, I, we should be picking it more. Hero games. How, how is that possible with teams as dysfunctional as what we've got in Europe? I find it. So hard to believe. Han Sama, Super, Noah, who else? Karze, Upset. Uh, who else do we got? Exakick. Kobe, I and... love it. What? Oh, yeah, but I'm saying like the people. Yeah, 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 yeah. Six, six players that have all amazing Jinx players. And we're, but instead, we're going to run back zero damage Lucian parents. Like, I, I can't handle it. Like, I, that's what I'm saying. I can't wait for the winter to end and we get to spring and it's like civilization. We finally click the turn and we now know how to build like Jinx perfectly. It's like, oh, thank God I've got tanks for turn 32. Like, it's, um, it's like the biggest cope I've ever seen in my entire life. It's so frustrating. Can I just say okay. you're one of the very that's... few people that I've seen that is like, woo, I fell this Jinx meta, baby. Let's yeah. fucking go. I'm so but excited. I, no, I'm actually that. I would literally, I would love it if right now Yumi was like the most broken shit because I love like Zeri Yumi. I love like Enchanter bot lanes. I love stuff like that. I love absolute demonic XY like shit. I, I'm a Dota player, by the way. See, if you tell me like, you're not actually going to fight the enemy team. You're going to just play I get, play with illusions. Sign me up. I'll play that game for like hours. But then I'll actively watch it. I don't care. Like I love watching that type of stuff. So oh, no. yeah, right now it's a bit more fun. But back to this game again because we got like sidetracked with my Jinx rant. Apologies. That is th this matchup is going to be the most interesting because yeah. it's who can make it. 
Yeah, it's like, who's going to be able to like make it on the... Like, are you a fanatic believer, Georgia? Do you believe in them? I am. I am. Because somehow they always pull their shit together. I am. I actually am. Do you, do you believe like... them more than your Mad Lions, boys? Do you, do you put the bag I back like, I like into it? I feel like it's dream versus dream. You know, I feel like, I feel like th this is what it is right now. It's like, is Fnatic gonna show up, or are these guys who are the mad scientists of drafts gonna prevail through and make it? Um, I'm gonna give it to Mad. Fuck it, oh. fuck it. I'm gonna go for a bold prediction. I'm gonna give it to Mad. I on love this it. One. I mean, I think um, you're, I think you're definitely wrong, but I love it. I love what? that. <laughs> so give, give, Listen, give me what's your, what's your Mad Lions, what's your Mad Lions win condition? What do you think they're gonna do in the game that's gonna beat like Fnatic? Describe it to me. Oracle lends it for me. <laughs> you like that? That's not right. bad. Eh? By the All way, right, before, before, think, just just before, yeah, just before Georgia goes, I I because I know that you like this player or. No, that's not fair. I saw you make a positive comment about this player on Twitter. I saw that. I think Merwin fucking sucks. By the way, I think this guy is oh, we'll garbage. Like actually terrible. And I would challenge you, Kira, to like any game where this guy was actually playing well. By the way, I don't think this guy had a single good game. And I stand Whoa. by that. That's like that's like. Oh, the Fiddlesticks game was brilliant. He got sold that... by a lawyer not turning off the lights. He was, and like he was dog shit in the Fiddlesticks game. Like he played out some scenarios competently to like help assist himself in getting ahead. But Fiddlesticks is the initiator. This game was on Fiddle. He had to be the guy to drive them to yeah, victory after he could... gets three zero ahead at like 15 minutes or whatever it was by the way I, like, that no, game's hold, hold. on him i know he got sold out down the river by Oyoya once but like that no, no, game's on once. him like, three, no a lawyer doesn't turn the lights off on the fiddle play like three times one of them like he does get caught independent <laughs> by like jackie's but like uh, uh we do call he and he has in like a not as good position so like yeah that that happens but people do mistakes in games like all the time but the other like situations that happened in the game he genuinely like got sold like he has in a side lane with without tp right and moving them walking to his team and his team sets up into like river independent of him being able to possibly get there and like create like a horrible situation yeah, yeah, like, that, for him that's true it, the, the, the whole that game he played and for my opinion he played that game like independently very very well i actually just i think the composition didn't look practice and it's very hard to play fiddle into a scouting pick like leblanc and you need someone who understands when to drop darkness to get you out of like situations because so many people in nocturne always think that they need to use darkness to then engage when a lot of time you can use darkness to then reposition your vision and yourself on the map and then reset uh setup yeah i mean get yourself in like, different pockets in my opinion that game was like because I've, I've actually watched that game twice and I don't actually think his fiddle performance was particularly good. I think there was one, he got sold egregiously once. I think I think there were like small micro mistakes, as you said, like by Elio after that. But I, he, they were still playable situations. And then also I look at the previous game. His Varus was bad. His Nar was bad. His Cassante was quite good, actually. I think he played that as Cassante game was pretty good. His Kennen was bad. His Gwen was fucking horrible. Like, this guy has played a bunch of terrible games, by the way. And I think he played a Kali. Kali was good. Yeah, yeah. I think Kali he played, was good. And then his team fighting was terrible. Yeah, then I was going to say, he, he play, his early game on Kali was good, but then he almost, like, threw the game. Like, 
I don't know. Yeah, but I only, remember, I only said for that one day. And no, 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 I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. I, know. I, I, never, I never had Merwin top two on any sure. other day. Don't, sure, sure. don't worry. Like, and believe me, like, I, I was on you go, George. Yeah. Yeah, just a, just a heads up on the whole Nocturne thing, because I found it really interesting what you said about, A, Nocturne doesn't necessarily have to, like, paranoia just to go in. Yeah. Um, if anyone is interested, just as an Easter egg right here, go and watch Buipo's games when he turned into jungle for Fnatic. His Nocturne games were absolute insanity. Man would press R on cooldown. You didn't know if he was going in, if he was doing it to par. You don't know if someone else was engaging. You don't know if Orn ultimate was coming your way or Nami ultimate was coming your way. Or if he was doing nothing. Yeah. Or yeah, if he was, he was living rent-free in your head, whether something was happening or not, because he was pressing R on cooldown. Yeah. Hellasang, he would press R. Hellasang would activate Red Sweeper, go in with Red Sweeper on, right, onto a flank that he known was warded, take it out, and then you could never know if, like, Hellasang was, like, there or not there or in a different bush before, because, yes, you could have, you could see the ward was oh, now okay. gone and it had been clear, but you now don't know in which of the bushes... Like, like how Sang is actually in because he could move on to he might have been in that bush but he could also be in the next bush on a game so they were great at it and that's what I'm saying Georgina people yeah. get because it's not practice people get their head so wrapped up in this idea of the like paranoia for example is really really powerful in split push comps because and this is something I was critical of Sheov off is you can drop paranoia and the person is able to just keep on hitting the turret and then you can use it to back away from the lane because no one is engaging onto someone when paranoia is on, unless it's like a uh, Kimmel. You yeah. know what I mean? Where like they're just gonna like click on you and go. So I think there's like a lot. It's like a hard pick to like pilot because you do. There's a lot of min uh, minutia and uh, like you know what I mean. Like uh, it's anti. You know what I mean? A lot of people view uh, Nocturne as like a dive assassin, where more it's actually like an environmental like CC champion. Like kind of on the map control, like assassin type thing. So I'm I'm kind of like with you. Like for me, a lawyer was a person who understood what the composition was doing less rather than like Merwin for me. Or just um, on that point. Yeah, to finish on why I feel like Mad could have a potential turn on Fnatic right here is I'm sitting right here and I'm looking at all the drafts and they have all these different team comps that want to work around in a different way. I've seen Elioya on the Ivern playing front to back with Azir, mm. Zaya, Rakan, whatever it is. And then you suddenly have Nocturne and Fiddlesticks jumping in out of nowhere. He's the backline carry. He's going to dive onto your AD carry, assassinating together with the Fiddlesticks. He's going to set up for his Fiddlesticks. Then we turn a page into another game and he's playing Zinza with LeBlanc. They're playing the 2v2 uh, mid-jungle in your face. It's they 2v2 want that game as well. Execution. And, and it feels like they can play so many different variations of compositions on the Rift that this is going to depend solely on Fnatic figuring out how to play against them in the heat of the moment. When you're already in, depending on who's fed in the enemy team, you have to calculate that the, the top lane is absolutely fucking crazy and plays all kinds of weird picks. You have to figure out how to deal with that first, and then you have to figure out how their team components to play every single <clears throat> best of, like every single game, to figure out a solution to that. And I feel like this is what a lot of teams have to work on in general it's like what's the plan once you're in the rift what's your initial plan and what's your after plan as well after things have gone wrong or after things have shifted and if fanatic don't figure this out really quickly versus this team that is crazy aggro and brings all these different compositions into the table they could potentially have a problem this is why i'm gonna give matt potentially um yeah the, the w here in the best of 
Yeah, I think for me, I, I would angle draft like this, and this might be like a little bit simplistic, but I think if Razork stays on top of El Yoya, then Mad just doesn't function properly at all. I think if Raz, I would almost consider like counter picking for Razork because if Razork is all over El Yoya in the early game, Mad have no chance to win. By the way, like zero chance to win in my opinion. I think that is like such a key matchup obviously you can't legislate for certain things in top necessarily like what merwin's gonna pick like he's probably got some i mean when he was on bisons he had like and we let's put it this way we haven't even seen all of his cheese house you know like this guy has some other picks as well so i don't know uh what the new patch may have changed into in terms of what he might consider there so that's kind of like you know as i said you can't really legislate for it but i do think you can legislate for the jungle matchup and i think if uh, razork is on top of him then the 2v2 is going to be so suffocating. Humanoid, I mean, if Humanoid gets to play things like Corky or whatever against Frascawi and Razork's on top of uh, El Yoya, fuck me. Like, that's just not going to be even a fun series to watch, I don't think. But, I mean, Kira, talk to me about, like, this matchup overall, like, how you actually think one more, the matchup's going to go. Just one more thing, because it's yeah. actually a point of interest, and I will not go into a jinx tirade, but why do you think Ivan Pryo's disappeared trouble? Ivor Prowl has disappeared. Razork has like literally carried Fnatic into like being the second best team by abusing it. <clears throat> like anyone who learned it instantly became like twice as good at jungle. I can tell you won. why Fnatic probably don't play oh, it, but so I think that Fnatic don't play it because they, and this was the thing. This was the, these whole two competing narratives of like, oh, Fnatic has this really high ceiling and blah blah blah. But when it actually came down to it, at the business end of the season. Fnatic were just doing things to band-aid their situation, which also happened to also be OP, because we were talking about Ivan being ridiculously strong, like, weeks before anyone was playing it, and I'd say, like, every show, like, why the fuck aren't they just picking Ivan? Like, if you're a bad team, especially, just pick Ivan, and you're suddenly a better team, because of just how this champion functions, and I think, unironically, that's what Fnatic were doing, and I think that Fnatic don't want to fall back into that zone of like, well, we just need to pick Ivan. Now, by the way, I'm not saying that that's like smart or logical at all. Like if something is good, you should play it regardless of that. But I do think that Fnatic were very one dimensional at the end of last season. And they were basically getting wins through having these stability picks and then just having higher skill ceiling. Like they were not a good team still at the end of last season. But yeah, they would win games on Ivan. Because how the fuck can't you if you've got a really good jungler playing Ivan? Like, that is my theory for why Fnatic wouldn't play it. Why anyone else isn't playing it, I have no fucking idea. Because to me, the pick's still busted as fuck. Like, that is kind of like, if your bot lane can play Senna Seraphine and you can get it into favorable drafts, like, every game, and they're not banning it, yeah, you should just pick that every game. Yeah, absolutely. But teams don't. I feel like if you if you saw the position where also Olioya went for the Ivern, it was a position where there were no tanks on the side of um, of Mad. It was literally Varus top, uh, Azir, Zaya, Rakan, right? So Ivern kind of worked like the the ace up the sleeve. You pop your daisy, you've got a bunch of shields, you know, on the front line. Uh, I think Varus went for a semi tanky build as well, so he was kind of like a, yeah, a bruiser yeah. in the end. But I feel like here's the thing: if you're a really good jungler. Do you want to play Ivern? Yes. Like this, this, here to win the game. <laughs> this has okay. This has always been my my question here because I know also Aless is a huge uh, advocate for the champion. He still is to this point, if I'm if I'm not wrong. And I'm like, there are so many champions that want to have that skill expression, that want to play in your face like a good Zinza, a good Viego, a good Lee Sin. That to me, this. this, this to play Ivern, sure, 
easy win, whatever. Play the champion, walk walk around, smite your camps, pop your flowers, whatever. You you win the game because the champion is strong. But the skill expression that you can get out of a good nocturne, a good leasing. I agree, me, but we're, but we're me, not. It doesn't equal to the champion. I cannot tell you the ins and outs of the champion because Ivern has never been a champion that I actually went deep down into analysis to understand. It feels like he's overall very strong due to the kit that he provides with the shielding and the engage, and you've got the like easy path through the jungle as well. But I feel like when it comes to skill expression and you're talking about Razork, for example, when it comes to Fnatic, I mean... This guy is one of the most aggro junglers that we do I, have. I don't like DLC. it in this matchup either. I think this is bad in this matchup because it's not oppressive. Like, I think Razor no, needs to play oppressive junglers in this specific matchup. But I'll give you an example, right? Corky is prevalent right now, right? Corky myself can't turn off Iron Shield because it reapplies because nothing comes in range. Azir, soldiers don't turn off either the shield because it reapplies because it doesn't come in range. Poke Varus doesn't turn off Iron Shield because it reapplies when you come in range. The only thing that Varus is active. Ivern is actively bad against is Udyr. Udyr just runs at Ivern and he can't really like do much. He's a, yeah, like, just like, panic, it's fine. Yeah, but but no, but the point is, is like, what jungler are you picking that's actually good against like Udyr? Because that, that like, because then all the people that in response to that are simultaneously like bad. Like, for, like the only like, did, do you all know that like Rel's got um a shield break on Q? I yeah, mean... like she removed. Yeah, she mean? like she breaks like shields on Q. Yeah, her like Q like rail like takes off like shields. Oh right, okay, sure, yeah. Right, so it, no, no matter how big the shield is, it gets taken off. Yeah. Right. People were still playing Ivern into rail, like picking it, as in they would see rail in jungle and they would pick Ivern. That's it. knowing that the most OP part of Ivern was getting turned off, and they were still picking it, and we're still playing rail jungle right now the principle of this champion has not changed yet again uh, it's just like completely different now i agree with you as pro players it's like an ego thing for like pro players i can get behind it but that is so short-sighted because your number one thing as a pro player is to win games in league of legends you Winning. cannot tell me the adcs want to be playing poke Varus. they're all having to bite the bullet you can't be telling me that supports like playing melio like I, I i can't find there's no way these are enjoyable so for me junglers need to bite the bullet and be getting back on the Ivern stuff because we had some amazing Ivern players in this region and Razork was re really, really good and he can still play the poppy and all that when it's appropriate, yeah? But, like, I, I think maybe it's the fact that he's more of a leader in the game. I'll actually get back to the thing you asked me, Rich, because I'm... You're going to make me go stuff. into an Ivern hole right now because I'm like, why have they stopped playing Ivern? So you're going to you're gonna make yeah. me message less again and be like, yo, why has everyone stopped playing <laughs> Ivern? Please no, give me the juice. I genuinely think there is a, I, I don't think, I um, basically know at this point, there is like a zeitgeist of like what champions are like strong. There's like a spiritual like zeitgeist where like it's not actually based off of the champion's merits. It's just on like what's conceivably thought of in the time. Now, maybe someone could sit me down and explain to me like why Ivern's like not good right now for a variety of good reasons. But like if one of the worst things about it was like in the patch where the, the shield was turned off and people were still picking it. I think that's like a massive red flag. To talk about Fnatic is 
they're now just a massive like, topside team. Osgrin and still just like death pushes his wave and doesn't give a fuck. If his jungler wasn't Razork, he'd look a lot worse. But because he's with Razork, he looks like really, really good. He's got a great eye for team fighting. He's really, really good at pushing advantages. He's also good at using side lanes to come back into games. That game where Irrelevant like stomped his head in. Then watching them manage their side lanes to come back that deficit was so impressive. That was some of the best like side laning I'd seen in Europe. Fnatic's gold recovery in mid game is really, really impressive. Something to point out to these guys, they have literally not beaten any of the teams above them in the standing. The only teams they have beaten are all the ones below. So they have lost to Mad... G2, um, BDS. G2, BDS, SK, right? But in all of their games, it was really close. Like, all the games, the, the actual end-of-server performance was really good, which is why I don't put that much stock into BO1s, because, like, actual look to me that, like, that's just what happened on the day. You know what I mean? Like, on a, a different version, G2, Fnatic could have beaten G2 in that, like, series. That was, like, Caps and Yike, which was going, yeah. like, God yeah, mode. Yeah. And, 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 and uh, what's it called? BB had, like, a really good counter-pick. Um, against them, the team, you know? So, to me, top side of Fnatic, really good. What I love to see, Razork leading the team. Now, yeah, right now, Fnatic have got some funky shit in draft where they just love prioritising uh, unconditional, like, engage on junglers. They love their Zinjals, they love their Vive, early prior picking it. It seems like it's a big comfort thing for Razork. And if you listen to their comm snippets, Razork seems to be leading the team a lot. His comms sound, like, a lot better. They're not, like, a psychotic, like, Spanish invasion force, like, they're like a coherent, like, idea. I'm really impressed how, like, built into the team Judas. He, like, seems to, like, already be buying into, like, what Razor's doing, playing to his tempo, his pace. Those two are really in sync with each other, it looks like. The worst time I've seen them was versus BDS, where uh, Razor goes to go over the wall to shield, but June goes mid with Humanoid, and then Razor then has to try and go mid, and they all three get shuffled under yeah. the turret against, with Nuck. That was, like, the worst I've seen it. Apart from that, you know what I mean? Even if the play in itself is wrong, everyone was on the same page for the play, which is like 90% of the battle in League of Legends. Bot lane doesn't look as sharp, but, you know, June's got a lot of these counter picks. It was really cool to see him play the Nico. I hope that is a bit like, you know, the Merwin thing, where he is going to play these counters. When there is a hammered dinger game, he's going to play it. When the Nico's appropriate, he's going to play it. And that's really good because... Fnatic are still a bit, um, they're a bit like the prototypal Season 7 Korean teams where they get a bot lane advantage with Razor whilst he's doing other things and then they transfer it into a top lane advantage if Oscarin is behind, like they facilitate their solo lanes. So I think Fnatic look like a really dangerous series team. They're like my dark horse to like beat everyone. But here's the big caveat, they are very, very player-like uh, Put it this way, if Humanoid, Razor, or Oscar and start playing, like, worse, the team can't find wins. Like, they need their core, like, carry yeah. players to continuously play better. And, you know, Razor's got to be a rock. He, like, cannot dip or this team just does not work. And he's doing a great job right now. He's probably got the hardest job of any jungler. And he's getting over the line. But it's fucking, it's hard. I wish this team had Kazi on, man. I wish yeah, this team but... had Kazi. It would be it would be a legitimate threat to G2 in my opinion if they had Kazi, but you know, is what it is. Because uh, I do think that yeah, Noah to me is um, the frustrating element. But as you said, that's also a bit of give and take because Jun is playing around mid so much better than the pre Noah's previous supports were. So it's like, and as you say, they've even done some counter picks for support, which 
yeah, he's never going to... But here's the thing. I wouldn't even say Jun's better playing around mid. Because I think Trimby was actually great at playing around mid. But that's because Ravlork was so bad at it at that time period with, like, Humanoid that it, like, had to, like, happen. Whereas, like, I think Jun is, like... See when Jun was on that Blitzcrank game and he, like, raced top to get to Oscar oh, yeah, lane yeah, yeah, to yeah. stop the dive, right? If all, if all Fnatic... Ha- if Ravlork goes to bot lane to cover Noah... They literally stall out SK's map play for the next five minutes and all their lanes get to free reset and it's like, hallelujah, like, we've actually just stopped SK from winning. About a couple of disasters happening, but the actual, like, the eye to be able to see that is, like, good, you know? Yeah, my my big, my, I think this series comes down, we know what is going to do. has been playing, like, super hard towards, like, bot side invades, um, like, all split, basically, and Razork has covered top more i guess than el yoya i think if razor takes aggressive picks and matches el yoya uh on the bot side Danger. of the map then yeah to me that is like easy path for victory my worry about mad is what happens if Fnatic do that and can they adapt to that here's one humanoids champion pool into frescovi that like you've got this way pick you've now got to yeah, keep on true. your cards right so you've got the way azir corky like you know you the fact that a lawyer shown the Ivern into the poke corky is like good, but the game was still fucking close, like razor fucking wire like close. So, to me, I, I, I like I think Fnatic's draft pick order in the actual games is like funky, but I actually think the depth of like their play generally is better, even though Merwin is this crazy wild card. Yeah. Anyway, so I am picking Fnatic, and I'm gonna say. 2-1. I do think Mad will Same. manage to execute something Two in one, one of these games early where they just get a lead and then they just keep snowballing on that lead because as I said I, I they do not lack confidence. I don't think you'll see them choke out a lead. If they lose, they'll lose because they're going balls to the wall. But I think Fnatic will suss them out. Uh, so Kira's the same and I think George has gone for a cheeky cheeky mad win unless I'm mistaken I do think that Fnatic is going to take the series but I want to oh, believe that no, no. I want to believe I will go with mad because I do want I'm a huge huge fan of when I see teams approach the game completely different than whatever yes. fucking meta says on paper this is why I want to see them succeed don't worry, Kira. I'm gonna cut out that little bit where she says that she. Uh, you not just love right now in the LEC trouble line. The fact that like we have, even though the the ceiling of the teams I think came down, the floor of like the good teams is like really high. Yeah, and, yeah. But all the good teams are so different. Like Mad SK, Fnatic, BDS, and G2 are all so different. They play different games. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and I think the the all the different like intersections of what how these teams are going to play into each other is going to be super fun. I'm actually more excited for like this bracket coming up than I was for like all of last year. Yeah, and this is the thing, like, because obviously you know people will say like, oh, I'm such a doomer on Twitter, always look at the negative side, which you know is a little bit true, but also somewhat based hey, in reality. Hey, you're a Karen, you are. Exactly, exactly. I am. I am a. I'm a male LEC Karen without a shadow of a doubt. <laughs> but a lot of that is you know based in reality. But I do think that this year, as you just said, the floor of the teams is like. I'm not super confident internationally, let's put it that way, but there haven't been any cannon fodder teams, including KC, by the way. Yeah, sure, it fell completely to shit in a couple of games where they'd lost confidence and knew they weren't going to make it, whatever. But even early in the split, KC had some upside. You know, they didn't look too bad. They weren't horrible. And every other team has has upside and, like, looks 
you know, not completely dog shit. And as you say, I think these like top five, six teams are all like decent teams. Won't go into details about, you know, how decent, but none of them are like pushovers at all. And I don't think any of these series other than most likely the G2 Giant X1 is going to be like some super heavy stomp. I think I wouldn't be surprised if Heretics beat BDS. I'd be a bit surprised, but not like super surprised. Wouldn't be surprised if Vitality beat SK. Wouldn't be surprised if Mad beat Fnatic or like that surprise. But the beauty of this all, of course, is that it's double a limb. So, you know, we uh, get to see more no matter what. But anyway, that's going to be it for this week, guys. Thank you for joining us, Georgia. Always a pleasure. And uh, we will see you all next time, which will be... There's not a two-week break after this week, is there? For some reason, I had it in my head that there... Well, I think we just time. go straight into there. Yeah, so... No, the train keeps going. Yeah, train keeps going. We will see you next week. Ah, I'm going to go recently.